Hey people, have you ever wondered if there's a higher power looking out for you? Have you ever doubted the existence of God? Is God real? Is he a myth or the truth? Have you ever wondered where we got our innate sense of right and wrong? Well, that's exactly what we're looking at today on Bible Basics and Beyond. I'm your host, Jaden. Welcome back. I can't wait to get started on this week's topic. Does God exist? You must have asked this question at least once in your life. You may not have come up with an answer for it, but that's okay. I believe God is real because He is in the whole world. He has left His seal on this earth and created everything on this earth with a purpose. Now most of the key objections to the existence of God can be distilled down to these three. 1. The universe originated through the Big Bang, not because God created it. 2. Evolution. 3. If a good God exists, why is there so much suffering in the world? So today, I'll be diving into the four arguments for the existence of God. Why did the universe begin? Why do we have an innate sense of good and evil or right and wrong? And why is our universe fine-tuned for life? So let's get started. Firstly, the four arguments of the existence of God. They are called the cosmological argument, the moral law argument, the teleological argument, and the intelligent designer argument. Let's start with the cosmological argument. And this is, if everything in the cosmos has a cause, then if you track it right back to the beginning, you will come to the first cause. And that applies to everything, including the Big Bang Theory. The standard Big Bang model predicts an absolute beginning of the universe, where time and space converge into an initial cosmological singularity, like the analogy of a cone. Now, because something must have caused the Big Bang, this is the thing we call God. Thomas Aquinas in the 12th century argued that based on the first cause argument, he believes that God exists. In the famous words of 11th century Muslim philosopher Al-Ghazali, 1. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. 2. The universe began to exist. 3. Therefore, the universe has a cause. Both evolutionists and philosophers acknowledge that the universe had a beginning, that it began to exist. This applies to many models of the Big Bang Theory. In 2003, three leading scientists, Arvind Bird, Alan Gerth, and Alexander Vilenkin, were able to prove that any universe that has, on average, been expanding throughout its history cannot be infinite in the past, but must have a past space-time boundary. It must have had a beginning. This applies even to the multiverse model. Thus, if there is a multiverse, it cannot be eternal in the past, but must have had a beginning. Thus, the question is not whether the universe has an origin, but rather what or who prompted that beginning. 
Imagine you're playing Xbox in the afternoon, unwinding, and suddenly a baseball comes crashing through your window. Obviously, your first question will not be, how did that get there? But rather, who did this or what did this? The baseball did not just smash through your window by itself. Someone or something propelled it into your living room. Does anyone sincerely believe that things, say a ball or a horse or a village, can just pop up into being without a cause? This isn't rocket science. The first cause argument holds that God is the first cause, the one who began the universe. Secondly, let's look at the moral law argument. We all refer to good and evil. We have an objective standard of what is good and what is evil. C.S. Lewis, a professor at both Oxford and Cambridge, said this in his book, The Abolition of Man. If we look at a stick and we said it was crooked, this implies that there must be a standard of straight. Just as crookedness implies the standard of straight, evil implies a standard of good. C.S. Lewis famously said that to complain that a stick is bent makes sense only if there is a concept of straight. Similarly, there can be evil only if there is first a concept of good. But who defines good? Who gives us this standard? Who is the moral law giver? The fact that we have a moral law of what is good and evil shows the existence of God. Josh McDowell in his book, The Unshakable Truth, said that civilizations have a common concept of what is good and what is evil. No matter where you go in this world, people inherently recognize the difference between right and wrong. We are born with a conscience that gives us such a filter. Now obviously we do not always do what is right, but we know what is right. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man, he documents cultures throughout all history, presents some common threads that bind every civilization. All cultures esteem telling the truth, being kind, acting selflessly, and so forth. In every case, from the Phoenicians to the Egyptians, to the Greeks, to the Romans, to the 21st century civilizations, Humans shared a strong reaction against injustice, theft, looting, murder, rape, pillaging, and the like. And they all innately affirm heroism, altruism, and self-denial. Every human culture known to man has had a moral law. While there is some variety regarding moral practices across cultures, there is a striking universal argument about the validity of moral principles such as justice, courage, and fairness. Now, without an appeal to a higher source, namely God, what could account for the moral sense that is common to the entire human race through all of history? There is something inside all of us that indicates what is right and wrong. The question is, who put it there? Thirdly, the teleological argument, or rather, why is the earth fine-tuned for life? 
Scientists used to think that whatever the very early universe might have been like, given sufficient time and some luck, intelligent life forms would eventually evolve somewhere. But as a result of discoveries over the last 50 years or so, we now know that that assumption is wrong. In fact, quite the opposite is true. Astronomers have been stunned by the discovery of how complex and delicate a balance of initial conditions must be present in the Big Bang itself if the universe is to permit the existence of intelligent life anywhere at all in the cosmos. The delicate balance of initial conditions has come to be known as the fine-tuning of the universe for life. The term fine-tuned does not mean designed. The expression is a neutral term that does not say anything about how the fine-tuning is best explained. Fine-tuning just means that the range of life-permitting values for nature's constants and quantities is extremely narrow. If the value of even one of these constants or quantities were to be altered by a hair's breadth, the delicate balance required for the existence of life would be upset and the universe would be life-prohibiting instead of life-permitting. Let's look at two examples of fine-tuning. Dr. William Lane Craig notes in his book On God that the so-called weak force, one of the four fundamental forces of nature which operates inside the nucleus of an atom, is so finely tuned that an alteration in its value of even one part out of 10 to the power of 100 would have prevented a life-permitting universe. Again, some research proves that if gravity were only slightly stronger, stars would flame so fiercely that they would burn out in a single year. And if gravity were only slightly weaker, stars could not form and the cosmos would be a thin, undifferentiated blur. Fourthly, the intelligent designer argument. How could life have evolved from the non-living material and that non-living material could have been generated in just the right proportions and just the precise amounts of energy to convert to living material? For example, life. Even the simplest of bacterial cells requires vast amounts of information to function. Cellular information is stored in DNA. The DNA in one cell in the human body holds the equivalent of roughly 8,000 books of information. A typical human body has about 100 trillion cells, each of which has a DNA strand that could be uncoiled to about 3 meters in length. Thus, if the DNA in an adult human was strung together, it would stretch from Earth to the Sun and back around 70 times. Supposing there was no intelligent designer, how would the needed information for life be assembled? The typical answer Darwin has come up with is given enough time, matter and chance, anything can happen. But how much time, matter and chance are actually available? Even taking the largest scientific estimate of the age of the universe, 15 billion years, is not nearly enough time for such an improbable event to happen. MIT computational quantum physicist Seth Lloyd showed that chance is capable of producing only 400 bits of pre-specified information, given its size and after its multi-billion year history, whereas a single cell requires hundreds of thousands of bits of information precisely sequenced in its DNA. Now, without an intelligent designer, how could the information 
and even a simple living organism arise out of the process of chance and time. Life simply requires too much specified information arranged in particular sequences to occur randomly. I propose the evidence pointing towards the existence of God is far stronger than the lack of evidence on the basis of these four arguments. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you learned something. Join me next week as we continue to learn more about this being we call God. I hope you have an amazing week and remember, God loves you.